0: have blessed us with your presence, we are thankful that you have, have come to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to ask, uh, before you get started, I want to ask a guy that, that uh, I had in class in school many years ago, and at about uh, 10 minutes to 12, every day, every day, I'd hear this, <gasps> He was done with school, and he wanted to go eat. That was my signal to stop. But I love him like a brother. Van Leonard, pray for us, will you please, brother? Yeah, you bet. Yes. Yes. We'll be in Colossians today, if you'd like to turn there uh, as we continue our series on Colossians. Uh, some very important uh, verses that we'll be looking at again today. There's a, a saying in the, in the sports world that, that this guy or this gal is the goat, and that's kind of what the bulletin had there, had a picture of a goat there with a crown. This guy is a goat. And when I first heard that, I did not know, understand what that means, and maybe you don't, that this person is the goat. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what does that mean? That's kind of rude to tell somebody that they're a goat. Because, you see, I thought they were saying how bad this person is. But that's not what they're doing. If you are called the GOAT, it means that you are the greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. They They say Michael Jordan is the GOAT in basketball. You can argue that. They say that Tom Brady is the GOAT in football. Michael Phelps, uh, the goat of swimming. Kind of hard to dispute that. They would probably even say that uh, Billy Graham was the goat of evangelism. Yeah, it makes sense. But today we're going to look at somebody else who is the goat, the greatest of all times, the greatest from the past and the present and the future. And his name is Jesus Christ. The only goat that really matters. And today's message will be all about, all about the goat, Jesus Christ. I hope today's message brings him nothing but glory and honor. I believe the first part of the service has done that. I am going to try to uphold my end of the, of the deal, okay? All right. One of the worst ways that a person can be executed... Well, that's a subway in it (laughs) is to be decapitated to have your head cut off because they tell me i don't know this but they tell me that as soon as the the head leaves the body the body dies the body has to have a head in order to function and if the head is not attached to the body The body is dead. Now, you know, you can lose an arm and a leg and and get something added and something subtracted out of your body. And you can still function, can't you? You can still function. But when the head is separated from the body, you're dead. There's nothing that you can do about that. The body has to have the head in order to function. In verse 18 of the first chapter. Let's look at this real quick and we're just going to read bits and pieces of it as we go through uh, the message. In verse 18 it says he, which is Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. The body, the church. What does that mean? The body, the head, the church. The body is every person who has been born again. Every person who has truly accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior is the body, is the church. And that is from, from uh, the beginning of in Acts until right now. You and I, if you've been truly born again, make up the body of Christ. As the body, we find our purpose and our meaning and our significance, do we not, in the head, which is... Jesus as individuals we have got to stay connected if we are the body and he is the head and just like what we just gave you that example in order for us as a Christian we must abide in Christ we must be connected to the head and the head is Jesus when we are connected with Jesus the head as the body we have power we have a passion we have a, a willingness and a desire to walk the Christian walk we have the ability to do that we have the ability to walk in a manner worthy of the calling because we are constantly abiding in Christ the problem with many of us today is yeah we are kind of attached to the head but we neglect to read his word we neglect to pray. We neglect to, to consistently be in God's house. We consistently refuse, in essence, to speak a word to somebody else about the, the good news of the gospel. And, 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 and when we continue to live that kind of a lifestyle as, as a person, as an individual, we almost are separated from him, are we not? We come and get, get an hour's worth on Sundays and then we, we leave on Sunday and we come back the next Sunday and get us another hour. And that's about all that we do as individuals. You see, the body, you and me as Christians, need to be attached to the head. And that's Jesus. And we need to do that every day. Hit and miss makes it hard for you to be attached to the body. They do churches that way too. Colossae was was trying to bring in different ideas and philosophies, moving away from Christ, if you would. And 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 the church was was going down here. That body of believers at Colossae, if they had continued down this road, they would have been decapitated from the head, which is Jesus, because they were looking at things that they needed not be looking at. And we see that in churches today, do we not? We see churches that, that at one time were, were the body of Christ, were believers that were doing what, what God has called them to do. And all of a sudden, they were bringing in different things and different theologies, different thoughts. And, and, and they began to say that, that Jesus wasn't enough for salvation, that we need to be a little smarter and a little wiser. And we need to go look at the stars, if you would, and, 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 and see what the stars are telling us that's going to happen today. And this church was moving away. And this church was, was getting away from the head. And eventually we know that that church died out because of just that fact. You see, the body has to be connected to the head. And the head is Jesus. You see, some churches today, what we're doing is we're allowing the culture to change the gospel of Jesus. As opposed to the gospel changing the culture. That is where we have to be today, ladies and gentlemen. You see, it is important that you and I are connected to the head every day, 24-7. It's important that this group of believers, this body of believers, is connected every day to the head, which is Jesus. And I'll make a promise to you now, as long as I'm your pastor, we will continue to preach out of God's Word. We will continue to do and to speak and to sing about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all we can do. I believe this body needs to be connected to the head, which is Jesus. We see going on in verse 18, i gotta, I got to move quickly. Y'all need to listen real fast today, by the way, okay? We're kind of cramped for time here. It says, He is the beginning. He is the beginning of the church. He is the beginning of the body. He is the founder of the body of Christ, as all believers. He is the one who created the body. He's the one that organized the body. He's the one that set the rules for being in the body of Christ. And he's the one that oversees and watches and protects and never fails the body of Christ. That's a good thing. That is a very good thing. You see, he set what you had to do to be part of the body of Christ. He, he, he makes the rules. I mean, he, he's the founder. When you're the founder, you gotta, you got a little bit of say what's going on here. And you see, if you ever want to be in the body of Christ, which all true believers are, he would tell you that sitting in a pew doesn't gain you membership into the body of Christ. He would even go as far to say that being dumped in, in, a, in 800 gallons of water does not give you right to be a part of the body of Christ. You see, if you ever want to be a part of the body of Christ as true blue born again believers, what do you got to do? You got to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Kevin. You got to have a change of your heart, and you got to be willing and wanting to walk the path that Christ talks about as as walking a manner worthy of the calling. You see, if you're going to be a part of the body of Christ, you have got to truly be. Born again, nothing else allows you to be in the body. You see, Jesus had that one statement that that this, uh, resonates everywhere, and it's John fourteen six. And He says, "I am the way." He said, "I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me." See, in the beginning, the founders makes the rules, and if you ever want to be in the body of Christ, you must follow those rules, and that is salvation through Him. And through him only. Continue on in verse 18 there. It says, the firstborn from the dead. Well, that's an interesting statement. The firstborn from the dead. You mean Jesus was the first guy to be raised from the grave? No. He wasn't. He wasn't the first one. There's some in the Old Testament that that got raised. So what does that, what does that mean? Him being the firstborn. From the dead means this, that Jesus was the first man to die, be put in the grave, three days later, rose again, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, who will never die again. He'll never taste death again. He is alive and well, sitting by his Father in the throne room of grace. Is that not the very message of the gospel? Is that not the very essence of hope for the Christian? That we serve a resurrected Savior? That He was died and buried and rose again and He is alive and well? And without that resurrection from the dead, you and I would have no hope for eternity. You and I would never be able to look forward to heaven if we served a, a dead and buried Savior, You see, the resurrection is extremely important. Aren't you glad that he was the firstborn from the dead? He was the first one that died, rose again, and never will taste death again. He conquered, did he not, sin and death. And because he conquered sin and death, we too one day will be transformed into twinkling. In a moment, just as fast as a nano, nano second, we will leave this old world. And we'll be immediately into the presence of a holy God. All because we serve the risen Savior. I don't know about you, but that's good stuff. In verse 18, uh, along those lines, he says, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Jesus is God's only Son. And I got to thinking about that. For, for all, you, uh, all you families that just had one kid, okay, you just had one. Did you not just just pour in everything you had into that one child to make them the best they could be? And, and they took all your attention and probably all your money and probably everything you got. You just, and, and, you know, you always say they, they probably need a, a second one, don't you? I mean, you hear that. But you just did everything for this one. Isn't that what God did to his only begotten son? He poured everything into him. And he is preeminent. He is supreme. He is the one. He is the only. And why is that? Because he was obedient to his father. When Father God said, son, I'm going to send you down on that earth and walk around there for about 30 years. Deal with the sin. We're going to have you crucified and shed your blood. And you're going to die just like everybody else. You're going to become sin like, like nobody else ever has. I'm going to raise you up on the third day. And then you'll come up with me and sit by me for the rest of eternity. And Jesus goes, I'm in. That's the deal. And because he was willing to do that, to be obedient to the point of death, it says Jesus will come to have first place in everything. Because of what he did on that cross. Verse 19, moving quickly, it says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Jesus is God in the flesh. Did you know that? I'm gonna, let, me, let me say that again so I, I don't stutter on that one. Jesus is God in the flesh. You might not hear that in very many places. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus was fully God and Jesus was fully man. 100% both ways. I think, I, don't, I can't explain that. I think that's maybe some of that funny math that they're trying to teach in some of the schools. But I know for a fact, 100% man, 100% God. You can't get any better than that. Every characteristic that we see Jesus has on this old earth. When we see him, listen to him speak. And we see how he acts and reacts. We see how he loves and how he forgives. And how he hates sin. And how he wanted to be obedient to the Father. You know where those characteristics came from. It came from the Father himself. Because God, his word says, indwells Jesus to the fullest. Jesus is 100% God. 100% man. Jesus would say, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. What, a, what an awesome time that would have been to live back there. To be able to see Jesus knowing he is God in the flesh. We think of God as being good and gracious. We think of God as being merciful. We think of God as being loving and forgiving. We think of God as hating sin. We think of God as being righteous. We think of God and you just fill in the blanks. There's many, many more things you could put in there. But every one of those things that you put in that blank, all is what Jesus had as he lived here on this earth. Amazing that the God of the universe stepped out of heaven in His own perfection, never having to be able to deal with sin ever, ever, and never. And He came to walk on this old earth to become sin for you and me. To take my sin and take it upon Himself. And I can't imagine as He was hanging on the cross... When he became sin and the stench of sin was on him, he had never experienced that. And he never experienced his father turning his face away from him as he hung on the cross. Because he couldn't look at his son who had become sin. Jesus is preeminent. Why is Jesus preeminent? Why is he superior? Why is... Why is he incomparable? Why is Jesus the goat? (laughs) The greatest of all time. Well, I got a a list for you. Okay. Listen to the list and let it soak in, if you would, please. This is Jesus as the goat. The greatest of all time. In verse 12 of of chapter 1, and we've talked about these, all of these first ones here. It says he qualifies you and me to share in an inheritance. Because we accept him as Lord and Savior, we have an inheritance, do we not? Jesus did that for us. Jesus rescued you and me from the domain of darkness. Jesus Jesus transferred us from sinner to saint. Jesus provided redemption for us, which is the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the image of the invisible God in verse fifteen. In verse fifteen, He is the firstborn of creation, even before Genesis one. In verse sixteen, Jesus, for by Him all things were created. In verse seventeen, Jesus is before all things. Verse seventeen, He holds all of creation together. In verse eighteen, He is the head of the church. He is the beginning of the body of believers. He is a creator. Of the church. In verse 18, he is the firstborn from the dead. He will never see death again. In verse 18, he is first place in everything, creation and mankind. In verse 19, he is God's only son. In verse 19, he is God in the flesh. The fullness of God indwells Jesus. In verses 20 through 22, we find that because he shed his blood on the cross. We are reconciled to Him. We are made right with Him. We are justified through Him. We have no longer sin attached to our name when we are born again because of the blood of Jesus. And the only person who could ever do that in the history of this world is Jesus Christ. Jesus has a tremendous resume. Jesus is preeminent. He is superior. He is incomparable. He is the greatest of all time. Well, I got a few more. Mark sixteen nine. Jesus exalted by the Father and sits at the right hand of the Father. In Philippians two nine, He's been given a name that's above every name. In, in Acts two thirty six, Jesus is both Lord and Savior. In Romans fourteen nine, Jesus is both Lord of the live and those of the dead. In Hebrews 1.4, it says Jesus has a more excellent name than even any of the angels. Hebrews 3.3 3 says Jesus has more glory than ever man that ever lived. That's my Jesus. In Revelation 1.11, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. Ephesians 1.22 says Jesus has put all things under his feet. You just name a thing, whatever thing you want to name, and Jesus is a superior to that. They are under his feet. In Peter, first Peter three twenty two he has a power and authority over everything the Bible says. In Philippians two, ten and eleven, it says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and Savior of this world. Can you think of anybody that has a resume like that? I can't think of anybody that that has resume. Revelation 5.22 says, Worthy is the lamb that was slain. That's Jesus. To receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. Revelations 5.12. Jesus is preeminent. He is superior. He is incomparable. He is the greatest of all times. He is the goat that no one can match. I got a few more. (laughs) Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is my Messiah. He is my Redeemer. He is my, the forgiver of all of my sins. Jesus is my good shepherd who leads me beside the still waters. Jesus is my author and perfecter of my faith. Jesus is my way to heaven. Jesus is my way to absolute truth. Jesus is my way to life now and forever. Thank you, Jesus. Without Jesus, I am hopeless. Jesus in the garden dripped bloods of sweat from his brow because he was thinking about me. Jesus wore the crown of thorns for me. Jesus took the nails and the hands and the feet for me. That's my Jesus. My Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame and now sits at the right hand of the Father. My Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to take him off the cross, but he didn't. Why didn't he do that? Because of my sin, he would not do that. My Jesus intercedes for me in prayer all the time. He's praying for me. Wow. My Jesus, by his stripes, I am healed. My Jesus freed me from the bondage of sin and the guilt of sin. Thank you, Jesus. My Jesus is the builder of my mansion. My Jesus is my rock and my salvation. My Jesus is my light in a dark world. My Jesus is my worry taker. My Jesus is my peacemaker who gives me peace that surpasses all understanding. That's my Jesus. Jesus is the one I'm looking for and waiting on as he's fixing to come get his children. Jesus is my advocate before the Father Jesus is my King of Kings and Lord of Lords He is my Prince of Peace He is my Alpha and He is my Omega and He is mine we serve a risen Savior you see there's nobody that's ever been or will be who can claim to be the goat the greatest of all times except Jesus why would anybody why would anybody ever say I don't need him in my life with a resume like that you ought to hire him in a second you ought to ask him into your life if you've never made him Lord and Savior why not You won't find anybody on this earth that can do what he's done. He really is preeminent. Number one, he is supreme, he is incomparable, and he really is the greatest of all time. Do you know him today? I hope you do. If you don't know him today, now is the time to get to know him. Just like Kevin the other day, he had reached a point in his life. He said, man, I got to do something. I got to have Jesus in my life. Nothing else satisfies. I can promise you nothing else will satisfy until you give your heart and life to Jesus. As we bow our heads and close our eyes and begin the invitation time. Do you know the greatest of all time? Is he yours? Is he your salvation? Is he your Lord and Savior? If he's not, take a step out of that aisle. Come on down here. And I'm going to tell you how to get make him Lord and Savior of your life. Invite the goat to come in to your life. As you pray, the piano will play. This is your invitation to meet the goat.